support is not the hardest thing. It's just having communication channels. Like I, I saw a post in, in our group the other week. I, I don't remember the, the specifics of it, but it was something along the lines of what the heck I was just going to set someone up or like re-enroll someone in the software and they're not in there anymore. And, and they didn't even tell me anything. It's like, well, when was the last time you talked to your customer? Yeah. Like you probably haven't talked to them the entire year. And now, you know, end of December, early January is rolling around and you're like, oh, I better go and enroll everyone in the banks. And you haven't even talked to them since you sold them software in the first place and they went yeah. somewhere else. Welcome to the Service Bureau Accelerator Podcast, where we help tax professionals start and scale a successful service bureau. I, I was listening to the pre-show ritual there, but uh, all right. So welcome everyone to episode, the next episode, I think we're on 13, 14, 12, one, one of those in the teens. <laughs> uh, supporting for Service Bureau Accelerator Podcast. We're going to be talking about supporting your eros as a service brand we're going to talk a lot of different topics about supporting your eros it'll be a long one supporting your eros and getting and getting support as a service bureau Bureau. before we dive into the episode reminder follow like subscribe if you're watching on youtube subscribe like comment if you're listening somewhere else i don't know what you do on those platforms do one of those things that it tells you to do subscribe rate whatever (laughs) if you've been watching a couple episodes i know some people have commented or have said oh i've been watched all of these it's really entertaining apparently go ahead and just check out our website join our waiting list if you're not a member since right now at the time of recording enrollment is closed we're in january 12th 2024 so nobody can sign up right now (laughs) wait till the spring but let's just go ahead and dive in supporting oh before i dive in we're here with tia the tax goddess Ross, Daddy Ross, Uncle Ross, Don't forget as well. No, no relation. relation. <laughs> He's from Canada, not Alabama. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's go ahead and dive in. Supporting your heroes as a service bureau. Who wants to kick it off? Yeah. Can we just talk about support in general? Yes, we're gonna talk about everything. What, what, we go start. Ahead. We have a list of items. Yes. Start, start broad, and, and we can get, get specific. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Tia. Take it away. The audience is waiting. Yes. So support (laughs) is any level of assistance that you provide to your clients. Any, you okay, boys? Yeah, I was coughing a little bit. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Any level of assistance. (laughs) All right. No, the way your shoulders just, I said, oh, he's choking. <laughs> Let me stop. This will probably not get edited out. We'll see. Okay. Uh, we don't even spot check these anymore, so it makes it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really thought you was going through some shit over there. Okay, so support is any level of assistance that you provide to your clients to get them through. Most of the time, a problem, whether it's technical or non-technical, that's what we're getting to in regards to support. So we're going to start at the highest tier, Service Bureau, and then work our way down to ERO. So you do want to start with the support that we provide or the type of support that should be provided in general? Good question. That is a good question. I mean, we could do both. We can talk about, I mean, if we just talk about what we provide, it's what you should provide because that's what we do. But we could, 
Sorry about, yeah, how we support our service bureaus. I think- Ross, I'm sorry. I want to bring up a, a, a kind of overarching uh, thing that, of course, because I talk to everyone that comes through. So even though you are a part of the Service Bureau Accelerator, that does not mean that just because you have an ERO, they cannot transfer to another service bureau that is also a part of our community. It happens all the time. And one of the biggest reasons that it happens and uh, this is just the feedback I support. get is just support. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about yeah, people 100%. that leave like a service bureau that's maybe with us and go to another service bureau that's with us or us directly or something like that? Yeah. So some of them will leave one service bureau and come to us or some of their EROs will leave one service bureau and go to another service bureau that's still within our community. Yeah. And the biggest reason is- with- That is the huge reason. Like w- during the process of transferring- mm-hmm an EFIN from a service bureau to a service bureau, like in our support process, there's a ticketing system and all that. We look up, where are they coming from? Do we have them in our system? We don't necessarily let anybody know. It's not our business to let them know, unless it becomes like a game of seesaw, like, hey, tug of war. Somebody's saying it's so that now we have to figure out whose customer this really is. But a lot of the times that we see one of the service, the service bureau that's requesting it doesn't know that the other <laughs> service bureaus in the group and they'll make the comments like, yeah, such and such can get in touch with the service bureau. They can't get access to their software. They have no way they, they can't mainly it's, Hey, I can't get to my software and their service bureau is not picking up the phone or they don't have a system to support them. They're, they're not, not getting, getting help. They're not getting That's support. the biggest one. And we can't intervene in that because we are just the, we do not talk yeah. to their The only time we can't do we, that. It's not our job to the only time that's happened. I could probably count on one hand where tech support reaches out to us and saying, hey, this customer can't get access to their location, such and such and such. They can't get in touch with the service. We try and call the service bureau, no response. Then it's like, all right, well, let's go and service the client and get them what they need, right? And then, but that doesn't look good for the service bureau because now they had to go sit and wait days going through these tech support channels to just get a simple thing done. Right. Uh, so it's not that we don't or we can't. It's we don't like to because it's your responsibility as a service bureau to support your people when it comes to access and setup and all that stuff. But yeah, that's the common one. Yeah. And support is not the hardest thing. It's just having communication channels. Like I, I saw a post in, in our group the other week. I, I don't remember the, the specifics of it, but it was something along the lines of what the heck, I w- was just going to set someone up or like re-enroll someone in the software and they're not in there anymore. And, and they didn't even tell me anything. It's like, well, when was the last time you talked to your customer? Yeah. Like you probably haven't talked to them the entire year. <clears throat> and now, you know, end of December, early January is rolling around and you're like, oh, I better go and enroll everyone in the banks. And you haven't even talked to them since you sold them software in the first place. And they went yeah, somewhere else. Because maybe you're used to enrolling in... And you didn't even realize because you never even talked to your freaking customer. Yeah. So are you going to blame the customer for them shopping elsewhere because you're not helping them? You're not re- you're not communicating with them. You're not reminding them, hey, here's the important dates coming up. Bank enrollment's open. Let's jump on a call. Let's get you re-enrolled. Let's get your software set back up early ahead of time. Instead, you're waiting to last minute. And this person already took off and went somewhere there's, else. There's typically two types of customers that you're going to get. The ones that may be like you waiting until... December 31st to enroll and get set up. But then there's the customers that want to enroll the second the bank opens because they're trying to get money. And if you're not available to help them enroll because you're used to taking a break until January, 
you're going to lose the client. <clears throat> They're like, all right, I can't get in touch with this yeah. guy. Oh, this guy's got the same software. Let me go get it from him. They seem responsive. They have a lot of people, right? They have these support channels. Like it's easy to get in touch with somebody. Let's go try them out. Uh, and yeah, we've seen that yeah. quite a few times it's on the moves where m most of the time I see, oh, they're coming from this person. Well, this person didn't even roll their service bureau yet. And it's November 15th. So they're probably not an active service bureau focused on their service bureau. They'll still be technically active, but maybe not focused on it. Right. And that's where we see a lot of moves happen. And for support, some of the communication channels, I mean, I know we have a few, but even something as simple as I'm assuming just an email. Yeah. A designated email yeah. or phone number that they can reach out or text at minimum. Yeah, we think email is the best. We don't like, well, for starting up service bureaus, right? Email is probably the, the easiest way. Once you start getting some scale, you need some type of ticketing system to track. And there's free ones out there. Definitely don't support on cell phone, texting, messenger, like all this stuff. <laughs> I, it's You've seen it, it's faded away, right? There's only a handful of people that do that still. And I'm like, hey, go yeah. open up a ticket. The reason why is because if somebody's texting you, then you're gonna forget. They have no context, right? On a ticketing, like in our ticketing platform, the way ours is set up, if somebody opens up a ticket, we know what your service bureau master even is. We know which software you're on. We can go look at other details that would help us in helping support you, right? Like, so yeah. readily available. available. If you text that. me, it's like, who are you? What's your, like, I don't know your the numbers. I'm not. Comment on our yeah. Facebook group. It's like, all right, well, your Facebook group, your name on Facebook doesn't even match your yeah. name that we have in our account. So now I got to go through multiple different troubleshooting to try and figure out who the hell is this and what software are they on. And, and I just had a, a bad experience with just de dealing with clients on Facebook in general. I learned a hard lesson. Don't deal with clients on Facebook and Messenger. If something happens, yeah. if that system shuts down, then that person is those messages. Everything is gone. Gone. Yeah. The other, yeah, the, the other thing too, that's really important why, like, like Baldy mentioned, there's a lot of ticketing tools and solutions and support solutions that are free to use. There's a lot of great ones that you can just Google search, you know, support ticketing system, whatever. But the other reason too, why you'd want to move to that sooner than later, at least start with email communications, because as you're growing your business, it's really hard to move your customers away from something that they're used to doing all the time, say, oh, now you got to do it this way. They're like, well, but I would, I did this all this way the whole time, right? Oh, well, I would just text Baldeep whenever I need an issue. I get it, but now we need you to use this platform. So it can create a little bit more challenges to get all of your old customers to adopt new systems. So the sooner you can get something up and you can get people comfortable with it and you get them to actually adopt using that system, using that tool, now everyone's going to do it. Everyone's going to be doing it the same way. And now you can actually scale because like scale your support because when people are just text me directly, I now basically just respond, Hey, that's a great question. Please go open up a support ticket because if you text me and I look at it, but I don't respond and then maybe I'm out of office for like a week, right? Guess what? Your message is not being responded. So it's not that I don't want to text with you directly. It's just that if you open a ticket, now it's a system and a tool and we have a team that will make sure that question gets resolved, right? That support that you need, we will help you the fastest way possible by using that ticketing platform. So it's twofold, right? It's like you end up getting your customers to have a really great experience where they know every time they have a question, they go to one spot, they open a ticket, it gets responded usually the same day, sometimes within a couple hours, sometimes within a few minutes. If we happen to be in there and we see a ticket come in immediately that I can answer, I just respond to it. So it's a very short turnaround. 
But then again, it allows you to actually have a system in place where now you can put team members in to handle some of those, you know, the standard support questions that come up very often. So it's a big part of it. And we do, I know a lot of times, like even in our program, we're like, guys, it's not that hard to support people on your software. And it's not, but just having some basic things set up like that and just having some ongoing communications with your customers, that's all you got to do. Like that's the bare yeah. minimum. That's really all it takes to properly support a customer. You don't have to go above and beyond in, in every aspect, but just have some basic things in place so that when someone needs help, they can contact you and you actually respond. Or somebody on your right? team responds. It has to go yeah. both ways. Or someone on your team responds, <laughs> right? Our, our ticket response time is pretty fast. Like most tickets we're responding to within five, 10 minutes, at least this time of year, right? Like, especially like during enrollment season and, and now. I remember one dude commented in the group, hey, I, I had this question. I didn't get a response. It's been over two hours. And then I go, look, I'm like, what do you mean? You got a response in four minutes. <laughs> like, you just gonna go back and <laughs> check your email and look. Like the, the ticket response time on our group and our team is fast, right? So. And people get spoiled. It's like three o'clock in the morning and they're like, no one's responding. It's three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and no one's responding. Yeah, yeah it's not 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's the, I don't know if we want to dive into like the different other tech support stuff that, that comes up or how do you want to keep going? Like frontline support. What's the minimum support? Yeah. What's the minimum front end and back end support that your average service bureau should be providing to their eros well they should be showing them how to use the software right setting them up on the software enrolling them on the bank showing them how to use it whether they do it one-on-one -on -one or they do one-to-many on group like we actually training have training videos reporters. we have people on our team do live calls that our group can invite their customers to help them on the software training but the downside to that this is supposed to be a supplement not a replacement of you the downside to that is if the person asks you a question, I was just having this conversation with somebody yesterday. I'm like, if you don't learn the software and you go sign up 10 people, when they have a question, they ask you now all of a sudden you're not the authority. Like you need to learn it, right? You need to learn what you're selling at some point. Like the ones that are the most successful actually learn what they're selling, right? It doesn't mean they need to use it. And especially if you're not going to do taxes, like a lot of some people in the group don't do taxes anymore or trying not to do taxes. You still need to know how to like, I don't do yeah, taxes. But you, you know how to show anymore. somebody where to go to start a return. Like, this is where you go. Like, we're going to show you what to do yeah. in it, but here's how you start one. Like, you're the expert. You should know how to do a tax return, right? So at the bare minimum, being able to effectively set them up on the software, give them their credentials, enroll them in the bank, and then having a way for them to reach out to you, right? Because software tech support lines are not going to be able to answer every question for them, right? Some things are going to be specific to how much access you gave them, how you built them out, like other scenarios that they're not going to know. Yeah. And to add on to that as well, this is something that like, that we always look at in our businesses, what can we improve on and support not just on the software, but for our program, for the service Bureau accelerator program, a big thing that we are looking at increasing our support on is training our members who become a service bureau on how the software works more than what we have been doing historically so that they understand all those baseline things so that they can support their customers better. So we had a concept, like I think it was when we were planning for the 2023 year that we were wanting to do some sort of like a cert certification program where we actually move people through where like we, you now become a certified service bureau. And I think a big goal for this next year is to actually implement that where we have multi-stage steps where our members book in with our team, 
they go through a series of training, then they schedule their first call with our team, where we go through, make sure they're set up on the software, they understand all the different areas of the backend software. Because when you become a service bureau, it's a totally different like platform that you have access to than what most people are used to typically. So there's a lot of the decent learning curve. And the more time we can spend, I think, with our clients or like with our service bureau salary members to get them trained up and support them on really learning the platform as a service bureau will enable them to have more confidence and more competence within the software so that they feel better about going out and actually selling it. Because they're like, oh, now I actually understand all this stuff. I have a much better understanding. I know how to do all this stuff. Now I'm more confident in, in supporting people. And I think that's probably why a lot of people do fail at the support is because, like you said, Baldi, they never learned the shit themselves. So how are they going to support if they don't even know it themselves? Right. So I think that's a big thing that we're also going to be focusing on is how do we better train up our service bureau accelerator members so they can better support their customers yeah, as well. For sure. But there's also a, a couple other things like we've got. So maybe we can dive into some things that a, a service bureau should be able to support their EROs on, like the banks, like the ERO problems that they typically yeah. have, like trying to get enrolled. I know there's a lot of things that come up with that. Is there anything top of mind, Baldi, Pratia, that you don't want to dive into on those? I think for new service bureaus, the, the, the most uh, common discrepancy we see is, hey, you didn't enroll your service bureau with this bank. Why are you trying to enroll an office with that bank? Like just tr trying to understand the hierarchy is where they always get lost, like newer service bureaus. But if we dive into some more specifics, like now, hey, maybe you're like you're setting up an ERO and there's a bank rejection, right? How do you diagnose that, right? What does it mean, right? Depending on the software, you, they give you info or they give you numbers, like numbers meaning nothing because you don't know what they mean. If you Google sometimes, you'll get the answer to what those rejects mean. But like the escalations is, I think, where people get lost. So, you know, this year there's been quite a few just like little things, not big deal things, but just like things that if we were made aware sooner, we could have helped you sooner. So, for example, there was one member, one, one customer, customer, one client. <laughs> uh, so this is the one that actually happened the other day. Right. So they got a new EFIN, right? Sometime over the summer, the IRS, you know, co compromise EFIN, they give you a new one. So... Sometime in the fall, they enrolled their new EFIN with Refund Advantage, right? And they went, called up Refund Advantage and said, hey, I want to get a loan, but I had to get a new EFIN, I was giving a new EFIN. So then they collected all the information for the prior year funding, all this stuff from their old EFIN. Oh, that was your old EFIN. Okay. And they gave them an ERO loan. So now, January 11th or whatever, yesterday, <laughs> right? I think it was yesterday or the day before, they're like, hey... It's saying I can't do pre-acts, but my funding rate is this. I'm like, well, give me some more info, right? So finally I get the EFIN and then I'm just like, okay, let me just make, let me just send it up. Ended up making a phone call about it. This person, mind you, has been contacting customer support for like two days, right? They're like, how come blah, 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 blah. So I call up and then I find out, oh, well, they got a new EFIN and it just seems that whoever did the loan application to give them money did not give the other department not the prior year history so they could qualify for the pre-acts. And frontline ERO customer support, they don't have a clue to how to look that stuff up. They're typically seasonal. They're typically temporary. Pro probably can't probably don't even, even have look access to up. look it up. Yeah. But then if you don't even know how to properly give them the info, like properly say, hey, this is what I need to do so I can resolve this problem. Like if you don't know how to resolve it, 
you can't formulate the question and the solution right to them, they're not going to be able to help you. They're just going to send it somewhere. It's going to get lost. Right. So scenarios like that is good to have the members of our group. Whenever a situation like that come up, we help those issues get resolved. And Ross, you made a comment earlier this year when tickets started coming in about banks and this and that. And you're like, no, why are we doing this ERO bank support stuff? Shouldn't we just tell them to call the banks? Like you made some type of comment like that. Remember that? Yeah. It was just a bunch of stuff where they're like, hey, I need to get this done with refund advantage. I'm like, well, why? We're software. Why are we call, doing the call bank's refund work? refund advantage. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, but, that's but what my thought was. Like, just call so. Refund Advantage. Advantage and TPG <laughs> comes onto our platform, gives you all of their information. That, that was my thought. But, thought. Then, but that's because they don't know what to actually ask and how what I said can explain it. What I said was, look, the problem is when they call up Refund Advantage or TPG, right, or whatever bank, they're speaking to somebody that is there seasonally, temporary, or deals in this one department. And that one department doesn't know, if they don't know the answer, they're just telling them to contact the software. And then if they call software tech support, they're gonna tell them call and contact the bank. Like there's just this whole back and forth, let's blame the software, let's blame the bank. They just, yeah. The customer, our customer is sitting there like what's going on? They don't know, like not their fault, they may not know how to properly ask it, or the person they're talking to on the consumer support side is just a fucking idiot. One of those two, right? Like it's usually the latter, right? Like, hey, this is, should be simple. Why is this so complicated? So when Ross said that, I'm like, look, all I get right now is our customers are calling up the banks or, or whatever. The banks are saying, hey, the software has to handle it. Not nine times out of 10, our service bureaus have access to handle it. They just don't know how to do it. So it's like simple enough. Let's just eliminate that problem. If you have a question, just put in a ticket. I don't care if it's a bank thing. It has nothing to do with us. If it's something yeah. that we can help diagnose and resolve, we're just going to resolve. Like at this point, we yeah. can't just be pushing people off to shitty customer support. We need to say, all right, cool. We've done this enough where we know like how to solve 95% of these problems and escalate it when it needs to be escalated. And if it's Vote the 5% that we- 2024. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hundred percent. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was like, you know, I, I had not been as involved with like, the ticketing and, and a lot of that support stuff. And then as this year, I've started being a little bit more in, involved with it, just looking at all the other kind of tickets that come in. And we had, you know, that uh, the other girl the other day called up, right, with the, what was it? The Ethan was enrolled already with Refund Advantage with another software. And so it's like, well, how come this one isn't going through? And it's pretty easy thing to identify with the error code. But when she's spending hours and hours on the phone with the banks and the software, no one seems to be able to, they're like, oh, well, this is it. And it's like, okay, well, what's the resolution? And there was no guidance on the actual resolution and so until it comes to so we're like, all right, we'll take a look at it. And I think we had to escalate it, but like by the end of the next day, it was yeah, done. It's good now. There you go. Go enroll it's the person. Now. It's good. <laughs> go ahead. So I think that's another big thing too, is when it comes to support, like there is a lot more involved in support than I think most people would like to believe, yeah. I guess, for like a lack of a better way of saying it. And I think if you are looking at getting into or becoming a service bureau or selling your software, those are two important things. I think it's a very important thing to understand. It's like, what kind of support do I get? Who, do, how do I get support? Is it some, I, I'm through this, mentioned this the other, the other episode, I'll say it again. You know, is it a discord server that like no one's there? Is there an email that I don't get a response back from like for three days? Or is there a ticketing system? Or do I have a rep? Like, how do I get support? And it's very important because even if you're software direct, I don't know what their support looks like. 
other companies, it's really hard to tell what the support looks like until you're in. And I know for us, whenever we look at any other software tools or systems or whatever, it's like, how is your support? Because when I have an issue, I don't want to wait three days to get a resolution, right? I would like a resolution, hopefully that same day if possible, or if not sooner, but I don't want to have to wait three, four days a week with no response. And if I get that type of support, I'm very quick to leave that company. Right. So let's talk about, we're talking about how do we get support? How do you give support <laughs> as a service bureau, technical and non-technical? I think one thing we always talk about with the non-technical side is at the very minimum, provide some type of coaching call or support call at, at minimum if we're talking non-technical why do you all think that it's like that's the standard if you're a service bureau to your eros what do you mean with like a support call like doing a call with someone over the phone or no like the group calls like you know one thing we always say okay if you're going to do I mean, at bare minimum, offer. Uh, okay, got group, it. Yeah, yeah. Group, I think a lot of the reasons you know. we recommend that is because yeah. most sort of single member, like single owner <laughs> operators, and they don't have the yeah. bandwidth to do the type of support that ten yeah, one like hour that, calls. It's just a bandwidth thing, right? You know, which yeah. is like why we do webinars because we don't have the bandwidth to do a hundred individual sales presentations a week, right? We'd rather do the sales presentation yeah. and then do the thirty minute call about signing up. That's why we do group coaching calls because we don't have the bandwidth to show 600 people how to do the same thing individually. Right. Yeah. So it just yeah. comes down to bandwidth. And a lot of the times it's with a single operator, right? Maybe you have a, one or two other team members. It's still doing one-on-one -on -one kind of non-technical walkthroughs and stuff like that, it, it adds up if you start growing, right? You need oh, to yeah, be able big, to yeah, formulate that group process and then build out the support team to handle any questions that come from that. I think another to add on to that as well as minimums, that's more like group, like I would say, I'd say maybe not necessarily support, but maybe like training, right? Or like, hey, we're going to do let's jump on, we're going to do like a group call and we're going to get everyone enrolled or we're going to make sure everyone can log into the software. And we're going to demo like doing a return just to support everyone to make sure you know how to get into the software and everything like that. On the other side, on the actual direct customer support, I think for like just bare minimums, I think we mentioned this before, but just having some sort of a platform, an email address, ticketing system, whatever, give someone support. There's a really amazing tool that we talk about all the time. It's called Loom, L-O-M.com. It's free to use. The little widget, it just records your screen. When you are servicing or supporting someone when it comes to like tax software, whether, you know, they're trying to, they're adding a prepare, but they don't know why the prepare kit like, or they're trying to add a prepare, but they don't know how to remove the permission so they can't transmit, or they've got a data entry purse, they don't know how to do this, whatever it may be in the software. And again, what was mentioned earlier, sometimes people don't know the right question to ask or like how to ask the right question. And so if you can encourage your members this is what we do in our group all the time it's like hey send us a loom video where you can show on screen exactly what are you struggling with so we can help you now that's a little bit more for like technical support right if they're trying to do something and they're struggling like that is a great tool and this is like a great piece of information that everyone should take away from this loom l-o-o-m.com it's a tool you can just hey Send me a Loom video, record your screen so I know exactly what you're looking at because the question you asked made no sense at all. I have no clue what you're talking about. Send me a Loom video, 
And now I can see, and then I can send you one back and show, oh, go here, click here, click that. Now you're good to go, right? It could be as simple as, hey, how come I don't have any bank products in my software? Well, you got to go to your office configuration and select the bank that you want to use. Then you're good to go. So, but just little tools like that to help illustrate, I think, text, like just responding an email or responding to a tech, a support with just a text response sometimes isn't the greatest, but if you can add images, visual stuff, right? Loom, it's a video. So I think those are some huge things that people can add into their support processes to provide kind of next level. And even, well, just a nice little and upgrade even in the support. And even how to get quality. proper support, yeah. right? Give you, give more details. Like we get so many tickets. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, my office, this, this is happening to my office. All right. Well, what's your office? What's the even like, right. like what we don't office? know any info, <laughs> right? Like give us the info, like to get proper support anywhere, give as much information as possible, right? Even if you feel it's wordy or you don't know what's important, what's not, just give as much as information as possible, right? Because we can't look anything up without an even if it's, a, if it's some type of bank support or configuration support, we can't look it up, right? I'm not going to guess. <laughs> we need to know this information. There's a lot of tickets that I see. It's like, okay, great. What's the response? My response, because I'm very just straightforward. Okay, great. What's the even? Like, can't help you with that until I know this info. So just saves yourself some steps. I think for me, if we're talking about the service bureau support to the ERO, my top three suggestions and recommendations would be to one, have that once a month, once a week, I don't know, once a quarter call like you guys said, like that group called group training Two, to have some type of community where are, where's your tribe kind of communing? Because a lot of times when they're in the community, some of those things that you're supporting, they end up supporting each other with naturally over time. So that also not just like it's free labor, but it is kind of free support because they're leaning on yeah. each other. And then the third thing would just be to create some type of platform or a, um, what is it called? A SOP or standard operating procedure. Like where do you go? Where do you get support? To get yeah. support. Who do you and email? Who do you And email? what do you put in it? Yeah. Exactly. And that can just be one email bullet. That doesn't have to be a camp or anything like that. But those three things, I feel like, are the top three issues that eros have when they're looking for good service bureaus and believe it or not not every ero wants to be a service bureau they just want to be an ero they want to be under a good service bureau that's giving them fair prices and fair yeah. fees and they want to know that you'll pick up the phone yeah yeah for sure yeah and the community thing is a great one too the only challenge with community sometimes is depending how you are operating your service bureau you know, some people may not have the same deal points, right? And that can always, you know, if people start looking at each other's fees and they have that discussion, it can, it can be a bit challenging, but I will say this, having a community is great to have. And you can always set those guidelines as like, Hey, we don't talk about fees here. We don't talk about blah, blah, blah. This is just for like direct, you know, if you set those guidelines again, and you set those expectations, there's no reason why you can't have a good community where everyone is kind of supporting each other. I see that a ton of times in the group. The other day I was in and there was a whole thread that someone had a couple of questions and I was writing a response for it and I'm like, well, hang on. There was a bunch of other responses and I go through, I'm like, oh, it's already been answered. Like, All right, bet. Like, I don't have so to do that, anything. I was like, I love this group. I don't have to answer sometimes. The downside to that though is sometimes people give the wrong answer and yeah. then multiple answers. That's the catch 22. And then yeah. people will post in the yeah, group. You got one person giving an answer. No, no, it's this. And then no, no, it's this. And you're like, okay. We'll come in. Somebody and, asks and, a question. Just delete it. Yeah, we do that. No, no one somebody, saw it. Just delete somebody it. Somebody asks a question. Hey, how do I do this? Can I do this in the software? 
First of all, they didn't specify what software. I know what software they're on just by the name sometimes. And then the response, I'm like, yeah. you don't even have the same software. You can't do that in that one, but you can do that in the one they have. And it's just like, if you have questions, just open up a support ticket, Yeah. right? Or call up, like, depending on the software, we'll recommend just call up tech support. Um, one tech support's better than the other, I think, <laughs> in just certain situations. Yeah, yeah that but could even, always... even as simple as a group me or like a... Facebook. And again, it depends on the amount of clients that you have. Because I know some people that have a text thread and it's at least really simple. Hey, I forgot my login. Oh, well, you can do a reset request. But I think like having somewhere where people feel like they belong, people like belonging. And I think that's more of a non-technical than anything. Like, I know this is where my tribe is located. Yeah. And it it helps building the community as well. Like it's, you know, support. Yes, there's pros and cons, right? People, you know, for the simple questions, by and large, I think most of those things get answered correctly in our group. Sometimes, again, the technical stuff, it's like, well, you're responding to a question that is true in your software, but false in the other software. And they just honestly don't know it, right? So they don't know that difference. But I think overall, it's good to have a community as well, just for retention too. Like you said, people having that tribe, they got that group. They're like, okay, I'm a part of this kind of little more exclusive community. You know, as as long as they're having a good experience in that group, then it's a great tool as well for retention, as well as potentially support as well. But if they start Um, bashing, just shut it down. It doesn't exist. Kick them out. Get them out of there. (laughs) Kick them out. Get them out of there. Do that all the time. We do that even on our webinars. If someone's making bad comments, we're like, all right, get out of here. That's messed up. Awesome. But yeah, all in all, I think that's a pretty good, good little breakdown of support. Again, it's something that everyone should really make some effort, some level of effort on is being able to support your customers. It's going to go a long way, not only just in helping your clients achieve, but also retention and success long-term in your business. If you do not put a healthy amount of focus on being able to support your customers, like I mentioned before, you know, time and time we've seen this, oh, so-and-so just left my service bureau. They didn't even tell me. Well, it's because you probably never talked to them, which means you probably don't have any good support with them because you know they just left and you, you, didn't, you never even knew about it until January. So having support in place will allow your members to have confidence in the fact that, hey, when I have problems, when I have challenges, I know that I'm going to be taken care of, which gives me confidence that I don't want to go elsewhere because I don't know if I'm going to be taken care of like I am here. So it's a really important thing for retention, making them, helping them succeed, making sure that they're winning in their business. There's so much other stuff about support with marketing and sales and whatnot. But I think just having a baseline of either an inbox, some sort of free ticketing system, maybe a little community, that's really all you need to get started to actually really provide some good support to your EROs as a service bureau. So anything else you guys want to add into that? The last little caveats, last little nuggets of information on that? No, I think that's everything. I would like a follow-up episode, you know, bring in the tax nitro guru to to kind of talk about automations and implementations, how that stuff works out. Out of like automation some, stuff. Some cool like tactical trainings, tactical <laughs> podcasts on how to actually do some shit in the business for sure. Yes. Yeah. Then yeah. based on our last episode, people will have more ammo on how to actually use shit to copy us better. Is that what you're trying to do? You know, you can copy. Uh. It's the highest form of flattery, right? <laughs> right. Imitation. All right. Well, I think that that's a wrap. Have a good night, guys. Yes. Yeah, we'll wrap yep. up for the episode. Have a yeah, listener. One more time again for listeners. If you guys enjoyed this, if you want to learn a little bit more about Service Bureau Accelerator, like, subscribe, follow us on all the social medias, wherever you're watching YouTube, listening on Spotify, subscribe, 
in the channel description as well or in the video descriptions, podcast episode descriptions. We got links to our website, servicebureauaccelerator.com. Check it out. Watch one of the replays. Depending on when you're watching this, we might just have a waiting list up or you might be able to actually book a call with us. But either way, get on those lists if you're interested to learn a little bit more about how you can become a service bureau through Service Bureau Accelerator. All right.